Hello and welcome to the Comedians Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to mavericks, innovators, and fascinating people and crazy people from the world of entertainment. <laughs> now, today's guest is an absolute wonder. He is a man who is a master of many different fields. He's an actor, he's a director, he produces many different comedy sketches, shows. And he's got many more things in the pipeline. He is a man that is, that is I knew from Gaudier. And he is a man with so many stories to tell. And you're going to absolutely love him. Please welcome the brilliant, the amazing Tom Lincoln. Wow. Thank you, Marvin. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm ready to go to bed and call it a day after that. That was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> here's your award Tom I accept I accept I'd like to thank (laughs) Philippe Carlo Tom Fox my uh... parents God Marvin (laughs) oh who you are it's all right (laughs) (laughs) and like it's a pleasure to have you here Tom like tell us a bit like for anyone that's here now and this is like a scientist and like oh my god Tom Lincoln that's such a cool name how, who is he and how did he become an actor, director and a clown? Wow, wow, the hype, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, hello everyone and thank you Marvin. Uh, yeah, so a little about me um, and my journey through entertainment, I suppose, into the entertainment industry. So I, I trained as an actor originally at Guildhall and I graduated in 2013. And I came out and I immediately kind of began teaching at Guildhall still and directing back there and uh, sitting on their audition panel for new students. And I would, you know, teach the students in the summer course. And and that went on for a few years. And then, but, you know, after drama school as an actor, you're just suddenly out and on and and you're sitting in your pants on the sofa and it's Tuesday and you don't know what you're going to do next. And you're waiting for an audition and I always thought I'll turn my mind to trying to do uh, to build, you know, that that traditional thing of an actor. They go and they work in a, in a restaurant or at a bar or something. And I was thought, oh, let me try and make money on the side doing something relevant to, you know, what I what I want to do, which is be an actor, a, a filmmaker. And so I started. I tried to start a, a youth theatre at one point. I I did uh, like freelance kind of tuition for people trying to get into drama school, bits and bobs, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I I taught like kids drama. That was not that was a disaster. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I just I found yeah because because it, it, you just slowly it's it's a grind waiting and just getting waiting for that next acting job and trying not to value your self-worth against how well you're doing against this um thing that you're pursuing and and then yeah a few years back I thought right I'm gonna I really want to commit to to film and and screen acting so I started learning about directing and writing and videography and I, I bought a camera and I taught myself editing and I went and made bits and bobs all kinds of different scenes and then that's kind of led to me being now a kind of writer director and I've made some short films that I've done all right I've made a tv pilot and I'm just on that treadmill now of making the next project and the next project um as well as of course still being an actor for hire do you have you had moments where you know you hear about player managers at football teams have you have you done that in like in terms of your entertainment career like you've been a director and an actor for one thing yeah I did that for something I made last year actually um there was uh I got a part in this I was cast in this project first of all it's a comedy about uh, an improv class a community improv class and I got the role as this guy in it who was a bit of a rude boy um and uh yeah I felt it felt a little bit out of my range but I you know I did I I made them laugh in the audition got the job and then the director the director uh fell uh out the project 
And I just kind of had one of my short films out that did quite well. And I said to the team, look, look, I I think I know how to direct this. This is an ensemble piece. It had like seven, eight actors because it's all the various people that go into the class. I think I can direct this. Here's something I've done. Um, And it was a big step for me because it would have been the first thing as a director where someone else is hiring me. I'm I'm not like self-producing, self-funding. And they they went for it and they said, do you still want to be in it? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. But Ben Stiller does it. I can do it. And and I did. And it was I just thought I'll just prep. I'll just prep it so much. And it was tough. It was so tough because it was a three day shoot. And all of the scenes were I had to be in them as an actor because it's like a scene of an improv class where we have two cameras and it's looking at everyone in the class as they're playing games and doing stuff. So then I couldn't watch on the monitor and see. So it was just, but I had, fortunately I had a really amazing um, crew and kind of assistant director who was looking at the screen that I trusted. Um, But yeah, it was really, it was really stressful and I'm not sure if I'm in a hurry to do it again. (laughs) But it was, because it was stressful and difficult being both. I mean, it's hard enough being an actor because you have to learn all the lines and you have to get all the techniques or whatever, right? And you got to also, but being director as well. I mean, you got you got to do. I mean, yeah. How was that? Like doing two people's jobs at once? My oh God, my. it was so. It was just so stressful. And on on the third day of the shoot, uh, the first AD uh, went home sick. So then I had to wear three hats where I had to also be like keeping an eye on the schedule and moving the shots forward and keeping everyone quiet was, you know, it's such an important role, that first AD role. They're basically like the boss of the set so that the director can just think about the performances. So yeah, it was just a drain. It was just so, so tiring. And, and, uh, and I just had to kind of, you know, when the take started, give everything to my performance, um, keep, five percent of an eye on the other actors whilst I was watching and then if anything I just put a lot of trust in 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 who I had around as a crew and that's the night that's the lovely thing as a director when on on things that I've directed when it's going all, all well you you're just sitting there you're just sitting there and there's this team kind of in in operation around you and all you have to do is just look at what's happening and think okay is there anything i can suggest to the actors to to give their performance a different edge or get something else out of them that will give us another option but but yeah in a nutshell it was it was so stressful but it came out all right it was it was all okay um but if i was going to do something again that i acted in it would be something like i would give myself a, a you know just a, a small part in so that I'm directing all the other scenes and then, you know, there are just a handful of scenes where I'm in, not not something like this, which is so ensemble based, um, where I have to be in all the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> what what was it that, what did you gain from doing both? Like, what was the, like, the, because often I think definitely it is true with a lot of the things, the most painful experiences often teach us the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I I don't know. It's tricky. Like my main lesson was like, just don't do it. Don't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) That's the lesson. That's the lesson. Don't do it. Don't do it again on such, when there's something there, be realistic about what, you know, because something's going to suffer, you know, and, and looking back at some of the shots that we got, like for, for example, a lot of the shots to my mind were very close up you know framed in very close and I felt like if I was in the director's chair and just seeing everything um on the monitor I would have been able to just say to the camera man can you just generally come out a little bit we don't need to be so because because that's that's a bit of a camera choice If, if you're close in on everything it it feels a bit claustrophobic and you're missing the kind of wider background but then you know it felt we had all these close shots and that led to a kind of that claustrophobic feeling was communicative of the fact that the class was a disaster and going wrong. And that was what a lot of the comedy was coming from. So, so yeah, you never, um, 
yeah you 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 can always turn a, a failure or, or or a shortcoming into a success or, or or what seems like a choice in the edit that's the kind of the fun of the edit but um but yeah that that's that and that but but I don't try, I try not to be a perfectionist and I try just not to get hung up on anything that's go, that's going wrong or has gone wrong I really follow the mantra of quantity not quality uh which is you know the perfectionist nightmare but if if you concentrate on the quant- quantity if I just bang out as many things projects as I can make in 10 years time I'll look back on everything I'm making now and I might hate it, you know? No one's seen S- Steven Spielberg's early f- short films, you know? But but they remember the breakthrough film. So, uh, you know, just keep on churning out. And I think probably you you might find the parallel as, as a comedian, you yeah. know? Just keep t- showing up tonight. You can't help but get better um, across the years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Because if you focus too much on perfection, you don't do anything. Yeah. And that's, it's more, you learn more through taking the action. And a lot of things that you think are good or that you think are going to be this way often turn out the other way. And it surprises you what actually will work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So just bang it out and, um, <laughs> and it might suck, but hey, you're, you're, you're going forward. You're moving forward. But just do your best and, and pump things out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah absolutely it's on the flip side of that have you have you had a few things where you're like no i should have spent a bit more or i should have like (laughs) yeah yeah the film the latest film that i'm just about finishing now and we just i I filmed it a year ago in september it's and and we budgeted for a one-day shoot because I was self-funding it and I just wanted, you know, it's twice as expensive, everything, if you've got to hire everyone to come for a second day. Um, And then we saw what came through in the edit. And I just thought to myself, oh, damn, I I just, I should have gone, we should have gone for a second day because it would have allowed more time to settle in for everyone, for us to take more time over the shots. Like on that first day, there was a camera problem, a camera, one of the fixings on the camera broke so that we had to shoot with, with a kind of like a, 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 you know, slightly inferior camera um, just for the, for the ease of like easing into the performance for catching something that if I wasn't like busy holding a light myself, because we were on like a kind of like all trying to do different roles if I was just concentrating on the performance. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a recent thing that comes to mind but that's you know that's the learning curve take more time if you can and what was it like because i spoke to james from our like clown class and he like he talks mm. about like how traditional acting is so different to like what you do in golia in mm. terms of like you just trust the impulse and and acting in something that's very technical like mm. what what led you to go to a school with a drunken frenchman that tells you that you're shit <laughs> <laughs> um very good question who wants to submit themselves to that kind of punishment i agree it's <laughs> aside from the masochist in me um like i so i'm a closet wannabe stand-up comedian for a start like i've always had one eye on 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 comedy as an actor but i trained as an actor and to me and maybe this is like a slightly different conversation like I've just never had the courage. Like I was listening to your journey, you know, when you graduated, you just put yourself up to a night and you went and you invited your parents. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. And uh, to your first comedy night, but that's great. It's lovely. Um, And, um, and you just fucking did it. And I have so much admiration for any comedian that steps forward and takes that step or, amazing and i've never done it but i've always like i'm a i'm a stand up comedy geek and and i harbor it so part of it is like looking at any i look i've looked at a couple of comedians and noticed that they've gone to gollier and so ever since and these performers keep cropping up that i go oh they're amazing and then i see on their cv gollier so then i'm like i ha- i got it in my mind a few years ago i yeah. really should go and do that 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 be shouted at by a drunk frenchman thing um and then I, I and then I booked it and went um so yeah and I think any any kind of training's great but uh, but as a, as an actor 
in recent years, I think, because I've been out for about 10 years now and I started just doing like theater jobs and any roles that I can get. But in the last few years, I keep getting comedy roles. And I, I, I feel like, is this the industry's way of telling me, hey, you're funny, you can do this. Like, and so then I started adjusting my approach to like concentrate on getting comedy roles and then I thought, well, I need to do anything that that sharpens my comedy skills, and if you know, and 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 all roads point to Gollier as as a as a tool to that end. Hmm. Yeah, it's a bit like you know, in social media marketing, they always say that you got to find your niche, and you got to hmm. do this and that. You got to pick your ideal audience member. You're not going to find that out until you give it a shot. But I, I've tried doing that so many times, like theorizing this, theorizing that, and it's never worked. The only time it's worked is where I've just gone out there, try lots of different things, except that most shit won't work, but you only need one thing to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What do they got? I think they call it in marketing split, something like split something analysis. Um, and I've got a friend who's in marketing and I've always, that it's, it's like when they get, they get 20 different versions of a Facebook um, ad or, or like you know the um the very successful presidential campaigns or election campaigns they do they do 20 different versions and then they get the analytics back and then they do the 10 best ones and they get the analytics back and then five and then they get their one that's like oh my god for, for whatever reason this one kills it maybe it's the, the picture of the puppy um yeah yeah it's it's it's, yeah, it's just and that and that's what led you to being comedy like it wasn't something that you I mean, you've always liked comedy or that, but it's not something, it's just something that fell to you rather than. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I just kind of got on with it and uh, yeah, like I loved, I loved it at drama school and I was always, if given the option, bending towards choosing to do something funny rather than serious. Uh, and yeah, yeah. And yeah, just winning those comedy jobs and, and it's not, I think comedy is not easy. I, th I always remember my drama school teachers telling me an anecdote about, um, about, a, I think it was like a Russian guy. It was like a Russian anecdote about him saying like, you know, he, he escaped the, the, this war and, and his, and his family died, his wife died and his, his children died. And that was hard, but comedy's harder, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world. So I think it's, yeah, if you can, if you've got a little flame for it, then that's, yeah, something you should pursue. Yeah. It's a lot of comedians say that comedy is supposed to be the hardest thing in showbiz, but I don't know. It, like you, you're not trying it in all three industries at once. So you don't really, you can't really say that statement, but I mean, there, there is similarities in comedy. You know, if you get, if the right person sees you at the right, right time in Edinburgh, you get picked up and you can, you can really, can really take off. But I mean, it's the same supposedly in acting as well. Like you get one big movie and you're sorted for life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, um, you, I see comedy actors that can, people that can do comedy that then go and do drama. Yeah. Um, but you don't necessarily see, drama actors or people that have had great success not you know there are a lot of actors that can't that do drama but can't do comedy but but um if you can do comedy you can do drama i i feel personally why is that because i mean i still like walter white i mean i used to love him in malcolm in the middle mm -hmm. but he was able to play this fantastic character of walter white mm. why is that i think that ah uh... It's a really tricky question, and I don't know. I don't know. Something about, like, comedy is, you know, an understanding. I don't know. It kind of gets a bit wanky, but there's something about, to, to be funny, it's about understanding the human condition in a deep way and and timing and instincts. There's just a lot of instincts and and. And and here's 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 one kind of salient point. You, I think that 
you can't be funny unless you're truthful, unless you're really truthful. And if if you if you miss that level of naturalism and honesty, I mean, yeah, of course, there's there's the the comedy of the absurd. But if you're not spot on honest and truthful in your performance, it's just not funny. You know, that's why I think something like The Office is so good and that you believe it, you buy it. But if you don't buy the truth, so so so, so an actor like Steve Carell, he he's so he's so truthful he's therefore he's so funny and if you're if you can do naturalistic truth then going into something serious is easier because you only have to be truthful you don't have to be truthful and funny (laughs) oh okay you just have to be truthful and maybe (laughs) crying's difficult different different challenge unless you get kicked in the balls (laughs) yeah yeah you kind of what's it that old thing of like cutting a hole in your pocket so that you can pull your hairs your leg hairs oh i've not tried that <laughs> yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's an unusual way do you know anyone who does that i've never heard of anyone <laughs> that, that does it but you wouldn't know you wouldn't know and then or, or on movie sets on big movie sets they've got um they've got these like sticks that are like menthol sticks that they put they call them tear sticks i think and you can they'll wave them under your nose before a take and they'll um make you tear up i'll be honest you know that thing that we used to shove up our nose when we were in girlier (laughs) those particular test kits that thing when you shove up their nose i cried a few times shoving that thing up there that there you go normally it's not that bad but their kits i don't know what's wrong with them it felt like you were serving a needle up there and that bloody that made me cry loads of times well, what a blessing! Should you ever need to do a serious drama, that you've got your, <laughs> you've got your, you've got your path, you've got your tool. Make they make me sneeze, so it wouldn't help me. They made me do both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a blessing. I do miss that school in some respects, but in some respects, it's like it's it's onwards and upwards. Yeah. What do you miss? What do I miss about it? Well. One of the things that I missed was this certain things that I figured out now that I would like to try and try again and figure out like later on. Um, I missed the the community type of thing that often goes on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was lovely for me. It was the first time. It was a taste of drama school, which I haven't had for years and years, ah. uh, which is lovely. Oh, so is that was that the, it's the same sort of thing in drama schools that like you got people that. But like, yo, I'm the fucking top dog, G. Like, we're going to hang out down here, yeah? You're going to come around with us and, like, chill, yeah? What? I think uh, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's drama school experience is unique. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the community, the community feeling and vibe and, you know, you're with 25 people or so that you're with trying to do the best you can do for you know, a period of time, showing up every day, sharing your failures, um, celebrating your successes and just kind of getting there together. It's it's a vibe. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit like, yeah, it's, it's quite, quite intense, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, there's some drama, drama school's got a tricky um, reputation as like, it strips you down to build you back up again. You know, if you, I don't know if you've heard that and, yeah. you know, let's find, but I, I don't know the way I would phrase it is that they're just helping you like, especially, well, I guess my training in the first year, they're trying to help you find a, a position, a position of neutrality, like physically, for instance, you've, you've got all of this um, tension in your body, you know, upright shoulders, uh, t- tight shoulders and, um, you know, you you swing one arm more than the other arm and you can't stand uh, in, in a way that's neutral. And then you walk on a stage with all of that tension and without you helping it, you the 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 audience immediately read into your character and oh. and see you because you for who you are before you've even opened your mouth. So you, as a as an actor, you've got to get, find a neutrality so that then when when you're creating a character you're you're choosing the tensions you know you're choosing to be 
to have your chest puffed out because you're you know you're a macho proud guy or to walk with a swagger or a kind of you know a sexy a sexy little you know so you're so you you're the boss of sending the message you're not and you're doing it on a neutral base so that's you know that's for, for instance kind of what what I think you're you're focusing on and and, and emotionally just trying to but yeah I don't know it's stressful <laughs> it's just, it's hormone fueled and you know, but I had a, I had a lot of fun. Is is acting a bit like I don't know where? Supposing like you have Arnold Schwarzenegger right, and me or you were trying to play him, like mm. it would be based what makes acting different and very diverse is that it's always people think that you're trying to be someone else but in a lot of film acting is when you try it's your interpretation of the character and like how you'd feel if you were that person rather than trying to be that person which is parody people mistake parody for acting yeah yeah definitely i think you know you have you have different kinds of actors you have actors that act from self you know, like Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage in every film he does. Even I watched a trailer for a, re a film that, oh, he's, God. that he's actually plays Nicolas Cage in it, <laughs> um, which which is which is great. I love I love I love him. I'll, um, but he's Nick Cage in every film. But then you've got a character actor like Johnny Depp that tries to bring a different persona and different physicality. And I don't think either is better or worse, but it's just, yeah, it's just different actors working with what they've got. Okay, yeah, just uh, whatever works for it. It's you're saying that acting is a bit like when you're going down the high street in Oxford Street. There's lots of restaurants to choose from, and it's what your preference is. It's what your preference is. It's yeah. If 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 what suits your intolerances and your allergies. Yes, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah, vegan actors are different to meat eater actors, of course. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. God, yeah, you could extend this metaphor indefinitely, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, one of the, so so one of the things that is the thought that's just occurred to me now when you say about comedy and acting, one of the reasons maybe why people, well, some of the comedy actors are able to do lots of do well in other acting roles is because they're more comfortable being vulnerable and being sensitive and being okay with the weaknesses and quirks of themselves, which are what make people interesting than perhaps someone who is too held back. Mm. Yeah, that's really, I think the way you put that is very, uh, very astute. I think that's spot on. Yeah. But so many of, I mean, even in the goalie school, I mean, a lot of us, loose things a bit but i did notice that a lot of there are quite a number that a lot of people are still quite held back they're still quite not willing to embrace the vulnerabilities and the faults in themselves and mm. we're all like that and to an extent we all want to we, we're not like look this is what's fucked up about me so what that's what we should do more of but we're all like Ch -ch -ch. Mm. yeah totally totally it's just, um, yeah, and I think that's that's just the kind of the 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 journey of the performer, I guess, is to kind of keep keep putting yourself out there and keep and and being honest with yourself. Was I was I vulnerable? And and something on this that's interesting is that actors can very quickly find themselves in habits that they can get away with, like like there were funny like on that course, for instance, there were. There were people that performed like in the final day when we got to see performances from the other group. Yeah. I could see people that were very that I could see. Oh, you're a good performer, and you. But they're falling back on on their kind of like their habits and things that they know work for them, you know. And but they're not being vulnerable. It's kind of a tricky point that I'm trying to articulate, but it's like it's like. Um, you know they've they've just they've just got a certain smoothness and a certain kind of um you know they're a cool operator but they're not really out of their putting themselves out of their comfort zone um yeah. they're just doing what they know works what they know has got laughs 
um and it's like yeah and i don't know it's not it's not necessarily bad like you, they might carry there are actors i think that go through their whole careers just doing what works but um it's different maybe to put to 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 try and be like you say like really vulnerable and and be willing to fail and then learn and and then kind of find something completely different that mm. that you might not um that you might not have done if you were just relying on your on your well-worn tricks maybe there's a kind of does that translate in stand-up like stand-up comedians that don't push advance yeah well that's the thing that i noticed that clowns do better in that you're willing to push yourself a bit more and take risks in comedy they say it means i mean a really great comic like Kay, Kurt, yeah. like he's he's right at the top of the tree um but he is controversial in some circles well i won't say okay. uh but look um he they're very great performers and they're in the room but ones that aren't quite there often stand-up comedy is a very much a writing discipline more mm. so than any other type of performing arts but the real great ones like Sean Walsh and some of the others, they're great performers as well. But there's a lot, most, are writers. And then there's a good number that are just good performers, but they're terrible writers. Yeah, absolutely. I, re I read Stuart Lee's book, um, or one of his books earlier this year. And that was that really, you know, in this book, he's got his full transcripts of three comedy um, sets that he did. And that really drive home drove home to me. Oh my god! It's and he 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 makes a joke out of it during his sets. He's like, I've written this bit right now, and this bit, and I've written this that I'm saying now, and then this, and then blah 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 blah. blah. I wrote that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's the art of writing and then making it seem like it's made up, right? Well, it's a funny thing with him. He breaks breaks down the wall as well, doesn't he? Quite a yeah. lot. Like he he's willing to take the piss and have a laugh and say, "Oh, you're supposed to laugh." Yeah, he he breaks the wall. Whilst a lot of some comics won't go through that, but he likes to do that a lot. He's yeah. known for that. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 just innovating and surging. And I think that's probably what keeps his fans faithful, rather than a comedy a comedian that might just kind of like settle. And go okay. This this kind of joke does well, and I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell a tour on this, um, but maybe it's a bit less vulnerable, a bit less inspiring. It's also an interesting point because they, you know, some I hear people say, oh, they watch a TV comic, and they watch some other comic that's been going for 10, 15 years, whose headline were the big clubs, and they say that the other one was better. Yeah, I mean, they may be better, but the, the famous one always has to come up with new material and has to do that. Yeah. Sometimes if you're just a top pro who's been going for 15 years, you can use the same joke and again and again because you're not being on TV and no one's seen it. Hmm. And does that make you a better comic? Then? I don't know, because you're not pushing yourself. You're not innovating. But then again, there are lots of... There's a comic called Mr. C who I had on the podcast. Like he's a headliner on like the mainstream and the black circuit. And he says, you've got to treat comedy like it's your lifelong partner. Mm -hmm. uh, like in terms of you've got to bring new flowers to this relationship. Don't call her your missus or this and that. Give her a title. Keep the relationship fresh. And that way you always be in love with comedy and comedy always be in love with you. If you turn it into a job, like some comics who do the same thing again and again, who don't innovate, it gets boring for you and you can sense the energy. And then, like, either you have to quit because you're not funny anymore, or the industry gets rid of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, that sounds that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like good advice, and and for your personal relationships with your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's it? that's pretty much, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's tennis. What, that's my mantra. Yeah. One of the th so. Yeah, and you're welcome to do a gig at my my shows if you want. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Well, you know, I I am um, I have a friend who's kind of um, start breaking through on the comedy circuit. You might know her. She does, she actually went to Gollier, and she is uh, she her, her show is kind of quite stand up show is kind of clowny, um, and her name is just kind of completely gone out of my head. But I'll I'll, I'll remember it later. And she's she's agreed to kind of mentor me a little bit about getting like a five minute set together. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of 
um it's something that i would love to do i would love to put five minute write a five minute thing but counter to that i found over the years that you've got to be you know as a self-employed you've got to be really judicious with what you put your energy into and you know so many times i've kind of gone oh yeah i'll do this i'll start a youth theater and i'll i'll teach and i'll do this and i'll do that and then i realize i've got my energy's going in six different directions um so for now i'm quite happy to just be right i'm acting and i'm and i'm doing my directing making screen opportunities so so that's where com- comedies stand up my stand-up comedian career is on the shelf but one day one day let's see <laughs> i get the balls <laughs> here they are no thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but what's the thing that would i ask you on this yeah so so have you heard of a have you heard of a youtube channel called the critical drinker no so he's a scottish guy who reviews a lot of films so um I'll show you maybe a snippet and I'll see what you think of him. Cool. Uh, But he's he's one of my favorite YouTubers in terms of, and I found him out through trigonometry, but. uh, So here he is now. Um, Can you hear it? You know, after the disaster ultimate episode of rings of power that somehow made galadriel even less likable than before teased the deaths of characters that anyone with even the most basic knowledge of lord of the rings knows are absolutely not dead unmasked the not hobbits as a group of murderous psychopaths demonstrated that numenorians have the ability to teleport anywhere on middle earth within a matter of hours <laughs> gave us an origin story for mount doom and whatever the fuck these things are meant to be I think- <laughs> said all I had to say about this ridiculous shit show. I mean, really, at this point, think how much more damage could it do to Tolkien's legacy? It would be like bulldozing the burned-out remains of a gutted building that insurance inspectors couldn't quite prove was intentionally set on fire. So imagine my shock when I was happily vacationing in New York City, doing my best to avoid the plague-carrying hobos and those weird drain covers that are always belching clouds of foul smell and steam like there's a fucking undiscovered volcano beneath Manhattan Island, when I finally caught the season finale. Come back to me. Galadriel. Look at me! Good fucking God. Just when I think the show's finally hit rock bottom, there it goes, digging ever deeper into the inky darkness of creative oblivion. Well, it seems they've awoken their very own drunken balrog with this one, and I'm here to spread fiery destruction over the rings of power one last time before I... So... Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. I'm gonna he's, him. he's very honest, and like, um, he's... Yeah, he's, he gives good reviews. And I, I trust them. Like he, he gave a great review of Top Gun, which I feel one of the great magic. things about movies is that not only sorry, I'm just uh, subscribing to him myself. But yeah, he's he's great. Like he's and what was the point that I was getting at? Who saying... can beat a scathing Scottish accent as well for insults? I could, yes. <laughs> yeah, love it. But well, yeah. He made me think of the, like in terms of filming and that, and a question that, as an outsider to the film world, like what is more important, the performance or the writing in terms of like when when you're producing a good program. It's a really good question. Um, so, as an actor, it's a conversation that's been going on since I've been at drama school. Is the skill to be able to take bad writing and make it seem really good um, by doing thing something called like, for instance, acting around the lines. So you get, and, and we were in third year, like deliberately given a really badly written script because often you do, especially, you know, you, you go to the, for these American shows and it's just poor, it's just poor writing, but, but it's commissioned and it's going through and it's like some, some like next, what further cop drama or medical drama you know and it's just like that scene that you've seen a thousand times before but you have to make it seem fresh 
newly newly coined thought think thoughts you know and and so it's like so you have this stupid line and then you've got to like you know what do you do to create that kind of feeling before you say the line and then the the ums and the ahs so so I guess I'm saying you can make bad writing come across as good if you're a good enough actor and you can take good writing and obviously make it bad if you're if you're not a good actor um so which one's more important is tricky but if i had to choose i would say i'd take i think you know you the people get away with bad acting a lot more on good on if something's good well written something's well written and exciting you'll forgive performances in it that a bit that are a bit dodgy but yeah i don't know don't make me choose man it's tough can, can it can can the writing and acting just be just both be great please thank okay. you yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I, i'm i'm intrigued because it, i feel because so much work goes into a lot of filming productions and tv productions i'm guessing it only takes little things for them to go badly and it's not in your control as well some things that may be a pile of shit will do well like transformers so many people have called them terrible but yet they've done very well at the box office i yeah. don't know why transformers are called crap i don't mind them but... yeah yeah and then i think as well you've got a lot of actors that can't really bring they don't bring much to roles but they have model-esque looks you know and ah. and they're just like staggeringly beautiful and so you don't care that they don't you know that they you're not filled with awe at their acting you know believability because they're just pretty they're just screen candy um yeah so yeah they just get they just get they just get along they get by because people are building more they're like you know it, it's it's more about the look of the show and having these these actors that look amazing and are beautiful um, because we just like something in us just likes watching beautiful people and the, 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 the bar just gets lowered for whether or not it's truthful and um, yeah, which is, which isn't great, but Hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. And people watch it and it's trash and they don't, and and they don't care that much because they're not looking to, for something thought provoking. They just want some kind of pop, pop, take their mind off something kind of thing yeah it's it, i mean a lot of people aggressives and people that are very a lot of people will get very annoyed about that but there's a lot of things that we got to accept that aren't very nice yeah yeah and you just you know it's just a part of it and you get you know acting that's something that i found as, a, as an actor coming out of drama school and looking at the actors that have done well you know it's not it's not necessarily in the industry a meritocracy the best actors the ones that are staggering don't necessarily rise to the top but but you see these actors that have really good looks and have you know that that commercial picturesque just like model look and they're so so as a performer but they get by they get roles so that's okay god it must be so when you're at that level like jennifer lawrence or someone that's like really big like tom hardy how must they rein in their ego and how do they remain remain like grounded when they got so many people i mean look at conor mcgregor he's it i think before he had this big success he was an all right person but since he's had the big money and the big success he's gone completely down the drain yeah Oh, you well, yeah. The the um the what do you call it? The modern human mind isn't evolved for that level of <laughs> attention and um yeah success and treatment from everyone. I'm sure yeah, it would turn anyone crazy. Um, but that's something I kind of you know that's something that I've learned from an actor uh, called Jack Plotnick who does a lot of training and teaching, and he's got this amazing guide that I recommend any actor to kind of like download. It's a free guide. And he talks about having your like mental health framework in place, hopefully before you get successful, because like if you hit it big and you've still got the mind of a child, it's like a footballer getting paid, you know, 300 grand a week. 
you're you're just not prepared to to responsibly spend that amount of money and have that the trappings of success and it'll just drive you mad and you know you'll you'll go you'll become an egomaniac and 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 drugs and alcohol and god knows what so yeah so that's that's something i reassure myself with i'm i'm just taking my time building my mental health framework before i have my success (laughs) can i borrow it (laughs) (laughs) no you're doing the same you're doing the same but i think yeah no i think it's it's a big it's a big yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that we would be different like if we had this conversation a year or two and one of us hit it really really big we would it would be impossible for us not to change to some degree to adapt to the situation good yeah yeah but uh, absolutely but i'm glad i'd be glad that i had that success now compared with me 10 years ago and like what i've been through in the last 10 years in terms of like growth and going through issues and stuff because if it was 10 years ago oh my god forget about it you know because and then you 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 get you get actors that burn you know that cause big dramas and issues and burn their bridges and you know they they have a they have a couple of minutes of success but ultimately they they become blacklisted because they're a liability so that would be like lindsay lohan <laughs> yeah there's a few about right there's a few about um yeah i just watched a documentary about i was watching it about the guy from who was the kid in flight of the navigator like ch- oh. child actors it happens to and they, you know, you're not you're not equipped as a child to have success like Macaulay Corkin, right? You fall prey to drugs and alcohol, and um, yeah, he he seems to be okay now, but I think he went through quite a dodgy spell, and he's lucky to be on the other side, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, which I think that kind of tells you tells you what you need to know about the the, the maturity and the, the the people that you probably need to have around you and. And even with that, I think you've, you're going to be you're going to have to be lucky to not, um, like you say, go a bit loopy. What do you make of like the people on Stranger Things or Cobra Kai or like Game of Thrones? What do you think of those actresses and actors? What... I think they're all great. I think yeah. I, I, well, did you say Game of Thrones? I have. Like, so there's a few shows that are quite big at the moment, like Game of Thrones before, like yeah. with, you had Maisie Williams, Sophie Turner. And then you've got Stranger Things now with a lot of young actors that are now becoming mm. adults. And then you've got um, Cobra Kai, where a lot of kids started up young, now they're becoming adults. And it's, yeah. to me, I'm interested to see what happens to them. Like, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. It, it's a whole new generation, like, a, what do you call it? They call it a brat pack, I think. or. Um... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, but I think they're they're great actors in terms of you know, I I don't think you'd have you'd have the success that those shows are having like if they weren't really great, um, or at least pulling it off you know to a level. Yeah, it's, it, I'm intrigued to see what happens to them in a few like because mm-hmm. th- we're more aware of things. Let's see what happens to them. Yeah, yeah, but like then maybe maybe the youth of today are more sensitive to mental health and less into alcohol and and yeah you know they're kind of you you look at the actors of yesteryear they 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 were like um i can't remember there's a book about them but like oliver reed and olivier and the the there's a, there's like a notorious group of like theater actors that were big in the kind of 70s 60s 70s oh. 80s and they were all alcoholics and they'd drink before shows and go on drunk and the audience would shout you're drunk and they'd be like and, and you know and they were notoriously <laughs> badly behaving actors and just getting on with it compared to nowadays where the actor you know you've got to have a six-pack and every actor does yoga and is like you know they're they're um organized admin machines and really well behaved and working out so it's like yeah the the pedigree is evolving just like footballers you know footballers would have sunday dinners and and fry ups and nowadays they're carefully they've got the private chefs and careful nutrition so yeah the the modern professional uh evolves yeah that's Maybe you're a famous robot actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and and then you look at that actually and go, well, what did did those did that former generation of actors? Did they have a certain swagger 
that modern actors don't have because there's the modern actors are so well behaved and you know it's and then you look at some actors that aren't very well behaved that are kind of like like or don't seem it like Joaquin Phoenix who kind of like gets up to all kinds of tricks and um uh you know Shia La- LaBeouf um they're they're like naughtier end of actors and they've got this kind of what I call chutzpah that makes them you know a bit more you know not like Henry Cavill sorry Henry Cavill but um he's he's the guy that does that did Superman isn't he I've got his name right but yeah they know they're 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 like you can see he's a well-behaved looking guy you know I think he's got his nutrition in check (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah man so many i mean yeah he's he's brilliant isn't he and he's he's yeah he i hear he's he's, he's back into superman and he's left the witcher now so yeah but i think he's but he's a well but he lacks for me as a as an actor uh, any um like the charm of of an actor that's a bit naughtier you know that's yeah. a bit more cheeky or has a little something something he's he's very you know yeah superman you know you're getting a meat and two veg meat and two i'm pretty sure when when no one's looking or all of that i think he's he's probably when when he was in the superman days he was probably a bit of a playboy and i reckon like quietly though i reckon he's, he's he should be the next james bond and he's he's like quietly being the bad boy but he, okay he puts in the front okay. I, th- I, hope I don't so. know I, I hope, hope so. hopefully i don't know <laughs> yeah he's uh he's absolutely yeah he's playboy of the western world we don't know it. the ultimate yeah. trick the ultimate secret yeah no he's, he's he's great um if what's what's been like your maddest scariest moment in entertainment What's been something that's really been mad as scariest moment that makes you laugh now? What's something that's completely out in the ordinary? Like, did you see someone get kicked in the balls whilst you're on set? <laughs> did you see someone get slapped? What happened? Uh, I don't like the honestly, the, the best answer that comes to mind, maddest and scariest for me personally, was my first day at Gollier, getting up <laughs> and trying to be funny, you know, get up, be funny. You know, if you if you're funny, you get a point. If you're not funny, we beat the drum and you s- sit down. I'll insult you and then you sit down. And that was fucking, you know. And I just throw myself in and with gusto, and I did, and I got up, and you're bricking yourself, and I just, I think I made a lot of noise, and I moved around a lot, and no one laughed, <laughs> and it was painful. Um, and I look back and laugh, but it was like, yeah. And then he said you know you 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 were so unfunny no complicity uh you push uh it is not for us um and just you know insulted me I, you know you know where your chair is okay use it <laughs> <laughs> yes, <he did. laughs> and uh yeah but hey that's um that's what i needed to do to then sit there and then look at other people be get some clues from other people as to how to how to play the game yeah piotr was the big man yeah yeah he had a great <laughs> he had great success but yeah and what was it like when you found out that the other tom uh like everyone called you new tom but like tom tommy camp had covid and then you had to go by yourself what was that like when you found that out oh, yeah yeah that was that was like dude yeah so that was <laughs> the day of the final showcase of the three weeks that was going to be to the other class of the whole year and we'd we'd worked and rehearsed on a show on our on our performance our final performance you know be funny show everything that you've learned and then he he we t- we come in to rehearse early that last day and he he goes home with a positive test and then he was like are you gonna do it are you gonna go and do it and i was like i don't know fuck and everyone kept everyone that i told was just like are you gonna do it are you gonna go alone and i thought yeah fuck it okay what a gift what a gift and you've got to t- you know that's that thing of kind of turning a failure into a success if you can and yeah. and hope it's a gift and then i just i kind of made the decision to do the show that we'd rehearsed but without you know noting that tommy was 
well no noting that tommy was not there and yeah oh man i'm sure i'm sure i got more laughs than i would have done if we did it together (laughs) (laughs) you know just because you know i think that that kind of comes that that little that extra spontaneity and and also sympathy from the audience <laughs> just just through the fact of sympathy of like you know it's a kind audience going oh look he's trying <laughs> no i remember it going quite well and yeah yeah you never know yeah that's true you don't know what would have happened if tommy came <laughs> <laughs> that's no that's no comment on tommy it's more a comment yeah. on uh on uh i don't know that that just the the yeah, the spontaneity of doing something and the audience knows, yeah. oh my God, he's fuck, he's out there alone. Poor bastard. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, it was, yeah, I was very chuffed. It went all right. No, it went quite well. I think, I think most of it was, I mean, yeah, I think it, it was all, from what I remember, I think most nearly, every, I think most of us all did quite well in that last showcase. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. But my God, it was painful when people didn't. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. That's I, fine. I noticed one thing that uh, the other class were more experimental, whilst we were more polished. Mm. I think yeah. they took bigger risks than than our class. I felt mm. they were more wild. I mean, we were creative and did lots of great things, but I felt that we were more reserved, and the other class were more m- mental. Yeah, yeah, they definitely had that. They they had a certain mental chemistry. I think, yeah, maybe like they're more they're they're the afternoon group. So they they something about the chemistry of working in the afternoon and then probably going off drinking together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we'd show up in the morning, you know, first thing, let's do some work, and then we'd go our separate ways to have lunch and the rest of the day. <laughs> Yeah, it, it felt very tense. I mean, because we had to get up so early. That was. Yeah, yeah. Who can be funny in the morning? First thing. Oh, gross. Yeah, only only Piotr, and I'm seeing him next week. Actually, he's he's oh. doing my gig in Wimbledon. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I tell you what, I when I looked at him and his performances, I was you know I'm competitive, and I would sit there going, "Fucking hell, that guy's fucking great!" Like, what is going on? And then when I found out that he he was like an improv performer for ten years, I felt a lot better. <laughs> Oh yes, me too. No, I think that definitely helps. I think for yeah, yeah, that that definitely is it for me. If if you'd found that always oh, just magically talented, it would have been like fuck. That's what that's what it appears like. I was looking at going, Jesus, this guy is touched by God. This is amazing what he's doing. And then it was like, okay, no, that's he's he's totally a seasoned pro. Phew. <laughs> I'll sleep better. No, he's 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 very cool as well. And I had him on the podcast, and he was very easygoing and. Like he, yeah love him great guy he said one thing though he said that one of the things when he's doing clowning is that when you know what to expect or what it is you're trying to do he doesn't do as well he likes it to be unprepared and him not be just play and not know where it's going to go and he found that's where he does better yeah well yeah i'm sure is i'm sure because he's he's going he's relying on his improv improvisationary muscles and instincts that way which are very finely calibrated given his experience yeah. but yeah no i loved him and he and and he was we were really he was really encouraging to me all week and um definitely encouraged me that last day to get up in front of everyone uh which was nice yeah, yeah. Was fun. i said one thing though you know what they used to do with Goliath? they used to bring people in from the fam people to come and watch the show and before and you know how you you found out through one of my podcasts that i had my parents come in or whatever yeah if, if you had your missus or any of your family come and watch you it makes it 10 times worse i absolutely hate it when people you know come and watch you i much rather well, yeah that's why i was staggered by you by your parents coming along to your first gig <laughs> that's seems completely unorthodox <laughs> I wouldn't do it now. If I had that same decision, <laughs> I'd say no. <laughs> you wish you could take it back so your parents could see you in a different light. <laughs> I, I'm luckily I did okay, but like, oh, yeah, yeah well, it's it's yeah. I think it's better to not have people you're too close to perform on stage. I mean, in Goli, it's different. We get up anyway, but like people from outside of our life at Goli come in to watch us. Just makes it ten times worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until you're good. Until you're good. 
but I think yeah I think until well, as long as you don't know that they're there I think is the best thing yeah 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 that's good that too now if there's anything that you'd so you've had like a colorful life like you've had lots of things happen on your performance journey to get to where you are now if there's any advice that you could give to any like actor that's listening now, you know, if they're like, yo, 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 I'm listening to this, what advice do you have, G? Or if they're like, <laughs> oh, this Tommy sounds interesting. What advice? I would like to hear his final words of advice. Like what, what, you know, if you're looking at younger Tom now, he has a six pack, he has 50 women in his arm. Like <laughs> <laughs> I've got very clear advice, really clear. Yeah. And I tell, I, t I tell this advice to any young actor that I, that I meet an actor, maybe that's wanting to go to drama school, you know, as someone that's been through it and, and had years since, and has been chipping away and trying to get along, just start writing your own material. Start, you know, you want to be an actor, be a writer too. Just, just do it. Like, even if you can't write, you know, talk and have a friend, you know, record what you're talking about and have it in your ideas and, you know, just figure it, figure it out, making your own material, bringing your own perspective, your, your, your age, your, your views on things, your background, you know, the world, especially now more than ever is looking for content and it's easier than ever to, you know, you don't have to learn to film you know you've got a phone you, you you don't need a script writing software but that can come later you've got a, you know a piece of paper and a pen and just get on with it and make and like we were saying earlier quantity over quality if you're if you're 18 years old or younger okay you can go to drama school and you'll have great three years and, and be a better actor out of three years after three years but you'll come out and you'll be unemployed and if you're lucky, if you're less than the 1%, you might start getting work that pays well and you can give up your day job. But mostly, I, I have actors, friends that do well. Uh, they do a few feature films a year, but they only work 20, 25 days a year. So what, you know, all of that time, what a blessing to start figuring out how to write your own show, be it a clown show or a, a little you know tiktoks that you character that you can do character videos of or and and in the process you'll start to figure as a performer what is what 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 i call uh, your vein of gold you know are you an amazing improviser okay great then maybe you can develop some kind of comedy that you can improvise in with your with your friends do you or you know do you realize that you're not no one's doing a drama about this great write it um so yeah, just make, 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 because like I said, if you, after 10 years of making stuff, you'll know what your best kind of, what your strengths are as a performer. Are you like me do have a, a strength for comedy? Um, and you'll just be so much further along than if you're just waiting for the phone to ring. Um, you know, can you be a stand up? Can you go along and, and do that? Can you, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just make, start making, look at, look at performers that have built their career on, on writing their own breaks. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, who wrote Fleabag. Michaela Cole, who actually was at the, the uh, year year above me in drama school. She wrote Chewing Gum. Um, so many performers that just open the doors to their careers by by writing their own stuff. And that's that. Those are the people who who inspire me. Um, Mike Myers, Austin Powers. Oh, you know. Um, you know, and you think about it, God, what a blessing that Mike Myers didn't get a big break in someone else's comedy and then went on and had a career, you know, just doing bit parts and stuff. No, he probably he he made his own stuff. And then we've got Austin Powers and and all the other stuff that he does. So th those are my role models. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's only the only obstacles to that are, you know, fear, I guess, and self-discipline. <laughs> which hard you know that which which took me a long time to get over took me until i was in my 30s so if you're if you're 18 and 19 20 and you can start now just think where you'll be when you're 35 you'll have your own production company and you'll be commissioning your dramas and comedies and all that maybe if you want yeah so listen up guys <laughs> yeah guys save <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, say nothing. But no, that's that's a great bit of that's a great bit of um nuts, yeah. But do you when you it's funny, isn't it? They always say that's a bit that's true, isn't it? Like you learn like there's so many there's things that you wish you knew when you're younger, but then you would maybe wouldn't have learned that lesson or you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't make mm-hmm. a mistake. Yeah, go fail. Go fail twenty times. Um keep failing. Now, if people wanna say like say nothing, what 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 <laughs> no um <laughs> if they wanna if, if someone's listening in and they wanna find out about you, what is the best way to find out about you? Is it on uh, Tinder? Is it on I don't know, <laughs> Hooters? Is it on I don't know, TikTok? Uh, I've got a I've got a an Instagram account which is at Sir Tom Lincoln, Sir Tom Lincoln, and there's a uh, you can find out all about me, and there's links to all of my work there. So come check me out. Let's be friends. Thank you.